What do you get when you mix a Stallone, Schwarzenegger, or Van Damme type movie with the TV show 24, the 2009 movie Hangover, a bit of Mission Impossible or James Bond with a Max Zorn type evil plot, or let's throw in a bit of 1981 movie Porky's as well. And while we're at it, throw in a lot of humor and of course some plot twists. Well, producer Kelly A. Manners and writers Josh Held, John Hurwitz, and Hayden Sloshberg put all of that in a blender and came up with the comedy spy series Obliterated, which Netflix released as an eight-episode series on November 30th, 2023. Hi, this is Tom from SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. We're going to give you our no-spoiler quick-fire review of Obliterated. I will keep the spoilers out, but give you our opinion and some background to help you determine if Obliterated is worth your time. Now, I mentioned that this is an eight-episode series. Each episode is 45 minutes, so it is bingeable, but keep in mind, it is six hours of content. Now, let me start by saying that I 100% loved this series, but it is definitely not for everybody. This is my kind of humor. Yes, there's a spy movie plot, but... Netflix categorizes this series under TV comedies. And if you remember, Dan and I disagreed on the comedy spy movies Spies Like Us and Number One of the Secret Service. Comedy either works for everyone, or there will be a segment of the population who will like it and the rest won't. And Obliterated, in our opinion, likely falls into this second category. As for the plot, we want to keep this no spoiler, so we'll just give you the tagline from Netflix. Quote, After thwarting an armed dealer's deadly plans, a special forces team celebrates the end of their mission with a rager until some sobering news ends the party. End of quote. Okay, that is accurate, and the rager is very important to this plot. What happens when a team finishes a long, stressful mission and then decides to blow off some steam? Oh yeah, and they just happen to be in Las Vegas. Then, when you throw in the sobering news, things can get dicey. And there are two engaged couples somehow involved in this thing, too, in Las Vegas. Now, we normally talk about the cast early in our no-spoiler reviews, but we're going to hold off on that for a minute and talk about why this series will offend some viewers. I told you this isn't for everyone. This movie will offend some people, but in my opinion, not in a nasty way, and almost always with humor. And to me, that just works. If you look at the great comedian Don Rickles, Most of his act was zingers that could have offended somebody. However, he zinged everyone, which kept him from being offensive. And to me, Obliterated does that here. Yes, some of it's over the top, but well done in my opinion. And they also stay away from some hot topic items that they very easily could have gone into. And I like the way they did that. Now we say that this could be offensive. This series is rated TVMA here in the U.S., And the mature audiences part, the MA, is in full force throughout the series. The TVMA rating is for language, nudity, sex, smoking, substances, and violence. And that rating is well-earned. There's a lot of all of those. And if this was a movie, it would have probably been an R rating here in the U.S. It kind of reminded me of some of the raunchiness of Porky's, if you can remember 40 years, but just updated for more modern times. There is a decent amount of full frontal nudity in Obliterated. Yes, there is sex, but that's not super explicit. And there is a funny callback to the character Darcy in the 1999 movie Varsity Blues, which was cleaner than many of the other parts of the series here. 
but it was a fun callback. I said there's nudity. Most of the female nudity is the standard breast and butt type shots, without any shots of female genitalia. But the male nudity is full-on frontal. You see everything. And there are strip clubs with male and female dancers thrown in for some fun. Now, I'm not going to go further with this other than to say if you're offended by nudity and sex on the screen, this series isn't for you. And it's TVAMA. It's not for kids either. Some of the other things that could offend people are the use of drugs, the violence, and the fact that a couple of the characters are gay. So you may think they're just trying to tick off all the boxes. But it doesn't come off that way. The drugs are an integral part to how the series plays out. Without them, the plot and some of the comedy just absolutely won't work. The violence is there, but it's not outrageous. People get shot and blown up, there's fights, but pretty much every movie seems to have that these days. There's one scene that was violent, but thankfully they didn't show all the action. And it does make, especially a male, squirm. It is a scene that reminds us of the scene in the James Bond movie Spectre where Blofeld drills into James Bond's head. Just this time, it's, um, I'll just say lower than the head. It, it is a cringeworthy scene, but thank God they don't show everything. One thing I did like here was how they portrayed the gay characters, because they didn't go full stereotype here. Especially for a comedy, in a lot of comedies, a gay character is played off as, oh, I'm at, you know, whatever extreme. Now, there are both male and female gay characters, but their being gay doesn't define them. It's just one facet of who they are. And I thought this was really well done, as I said, especially for a comedy. I mean, there's a night and day difference between how the gay characters are portrayed in this comedy versus the character of Lamar in Revenge of the Nerds. I guess 39 years makes a difference. So, those are some of the warnings we'll give about Obliterated. None of those things bothered me, but I know everyone is different, and some of those things are hot topic items for people and a line in the sand. So we want to call those out up front. I told you, I like this movie. Those things didn't bother me. So now let's go ahead and talk about the cast and characters. And it's a cast I like, and I think they do a great job. The lead character for the mission is Ava Winters, played very well by Shelley Henning. Her character Ava leads the team, and she's competent, and she's involved in the majority of the scenes of the show. She has to use her brain, her experience, and her beauty in that order to help her get through the missions. The brain and experience are the two most important parts. A couple times, the beauty comes into play. Henning has two daytime Emmy nominations for her work on Days of Our Lives. And we think this was a good casting decision because she makes the character of Ava believable and human. You feel for her in some of this stuff that she has to go through. Now, the next three characters we're going to talk about are the brawn of her team. She's the team lead. These other three have been working together for a while as a team, and it shows. There's chemistry between them, and there's history they kind of allude to between them as well. And the first up is McKnight, who's played by Nick Zano. He's one of the alpha males on the team. He's a very experienced field operative who's been in many precarious situations throughout his career. And he needs that experience here. And Zeno plays this role well, and he's able to deliver the goods, including the way that McKnight's character is somewhat arrogant. And he does this without it being way over the top. Now, you may recognize Zeno from DC's Legacies of Tomorrow TV series, where he played Nate Haywood. 
And he is one buff actor. I mean, I can only dream of having abs and muscles like his. All right. The next alpha male is Trunk, played by Terrence Terrell. And he's been teamed with McKnight for years. And he's an amazing fighter. And he is just huge. And one thing I liked about the way they handled his character is he's black and McKnight is white. Trunk and McKnight have a lot of friendly repartee, but I don't remember race coming up at all. And that was refreshing to see as in many comedy movies like this, race is an issue when you've got a black character versus a white character in a comedy where there are detectives or spies or whatever. Very often the comedian will be making some comments about race and We don't see that here. We just have two competent agents, and it's well done. And the third member of this team, Angela Gomez, is played by Puerto Rican Paula Lazaro. She's another strong character, and she plays very well with McKnight and Trunk. Given some of her characteristics, she could have been played very different if the production team wanted to focus on stereotypes. Fortunately, they didn't, which made us think that this role was more believable. And as with Trunk, the other stuff doesn't matter, and we don't need to play it up. Now, we don't really want to go into more about that because we don't want to get into spoilers. But when you watch, pay attention to Gomez and how Lazaro plays her. Now, you may know Lazaro from her role as Juanita Princess Sanchez in the Walking Dead TV series, where she was nominated for the Best Supporting Actress for this role by the Image and Foundation Awards. The next actor we'll talk about is Kimmy Rutledge. And she plays Maya Lerner, who's the technical ace on the team. Now, as per usual for these tech aces, Lerner can hack into anything in just seconds. It's amazing how these techs can get into anything. But the movie forces her to take on more than just the technology role, which was nice to see. There's role development here. It's not just I'm the tech geek. Lerner was apprehensive when she had to do these additional tasks, But she was a quick learner, and there's no pun intended when I said that learner was apprehensive and was a quick learner. I sort of see a correlation between learner and Melissa McCarthy's character Susan Cooper in the 2015 movie Spy. Both learner and Cooper have a crush on the very good-looking leading man, and they have to take on more of a field role than they're used to. Now, Paul Young is a pilot on the team and gets involved in some pretty crazy stuff, mainly due to what happens to him in the first episode. He's a father with a teenage daughter whose prom he's bummed about missing. He wasn't there when she went to prom. He's missed out a lot of his daughter's life growing up due to the nature of his job. He's always on the road. How this has affected him comes out with humor, drama, and a bit of melancholy. And Eugene Kim plays Young and delivers the crazy and emotion that this character requires, and he does it very well. All right, speaking of crazy, C. Thomas Howell plays probably my favorite character called Haggerty. He's a bomb expert who can defuse any bomb. He's very quirky, very funny, and is kind of a, an, I don't know, odd role for this series. He's not in all that many of the scenes with other team members. However, the show cuts to what he is up to quite often, and This character is a great way at times to break the tension, while at other times, he increases the tension, almost always with humor. Not surprisingly, Howell nails this role as he usually does, and I bet he had fun with this one. Two more minor characters to call out are James Langdon, played by Carl Lumbly, and Maddox, played by David Costabile. 
I had recently seen Lumley in the miniseries The Fall of the House of Usher, and this was a different type of role for him. His character Langdon plays Ava's bureaucratic boss, but he has to play it differently at the end of the series than he does through most of the series. There's a change that happens, and he does this very well. And Maddox is one of the bad guys. All of the bad guys are good, but I'm just a David Costabilk fan, especially after his role of Wags on Billionaire. So it was cool to see him in this role where he is definitely a bad guy. In Billionaire, sometimes he was the bad guy and sometimes the good guy. Here, he is the bad guy. Okay, now, fans of Lori Petty may be able to identify her. I say may. I'm not going to tell you her role, but she was very funny in it. I had to look up who played it. I'm like, that person looks familiar, but with the way the makeup and costuming was done, I wasn't sure. So see if you can pick her out. She's only in one of the eight episodes, but her role absolutely stands out during that episode. So that's the acting talent. I thought the writing on this was fun. It was a great combination of serious and humor with a heavy accent on the humor. Oh yeah, and I forgot to mention the camel. Yes, there's a camel in this thing. Not sure why, but it's kind of funny to see it. So I told you up front that I liked Obliterated. Is it a series for you? Keep in mind what I said about what some people might find offensive. If, like me, you either like that stuff or it doesn't bother you, then yes, I highly recommend Obliterated. I haven't laughed out loud at a streaming series in a while, and I had a few outward laughs at this one. I was sitting at my computer, and I caught myself laughing out loud. That doesn't happen often for me, so it was cool to see that. So that's a wrap on a review of the just-released Netflix spy series, Obliterated. If you do watch this one, please let us know your thoughts at info at spymovienavigator.com. We'd love to hear from you. This has been Tom from spymovienavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Be sure to check out our other podcast episodes on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it.